0: highly profiled entrepreneur, executive, and elite matchmaker for the last decade, but it hasn't been easy. My story of entrepreneurial success is one of staggering obstacles I've had to overcome. From not graduating high school to having no financial resources when creating my first company, to losing my sister and best friend to cystic fibrosis. I was able to overcome these struggles to launch and scale numerous companies. As a result, I've had the opportunities to work with some of the world's most inspiring people, and I wanna share them with you. This is Mind Your Business. So today I chat with my friend, Sam Humphrey. Sam is an actor who starred alongside Hugh Jackman, Michelle Williams, Zendaya, Zac Efron, and a whole host of other amazing actors in the movie The Greatest Showman, which is actually one of my favorite movies. So it was pretty cool to chat with him today about all kinds of things behind the scenes and how they created a lot of the different parts in the movie. Sam also has a rare genetic disorder called acrodysplasia. Sam was born with this and it has affected how he's grown. He is very short-statured and unfortunately had a host of other health issues as a result. Sam used his adversity to fuel his success, and he is quite an inspirational individual. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm
0: glad to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Where are you at the moment?
1: I am currently in L.A., doing what I do
0: in L.A. So you live there full-time now?
1: Yes. I'm based in L.A. for my acting. But you were born in New
0: Zealand, moved to Australia, and then moved to...
1: So, yeah, I was originally born in New Zealand and Auckland. And then in 2006, we moved to Australia and we lived there for 10 years. And in 2018, I moved to LA. That's amazing. So who is Sam? That is a great and complicated (laughs) question. (laughs) I don't know, I guess. I don't know how to explain myself. I've never been good at explaining who I am to people.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're 24 now, right? 25.
1: 25 now. Oh, you're getting up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I will be 26 in April 24th. How long have you been an actor for? So technically, I've been a actor since I was eight years old. It was a hobby since I was eight years old. Hugh Chapman got me into acting. I always credit him as the one who made me what I am today, literally. <laughs> But as a full-time career, I've been doing it for roughly four years now. It started in 2016.
0: So you were in a show in Australia, correct? And that was how they came across you?
1: Yes. I did Neighbours in Australia, which is, I guess, equivalent to like Young and the Restless here. Okay. Um, So it's basically just a soap opera. But before that, I actually did a, two documentaries with a non-profit company called Attitude Live. Okay. And basically what happened was a family friend of mine that our family grew up with in New Zealand, she worked for the nonprofit organization and they wanted to do a documentary series on me. And so through that, I got my audition on Navy. So initially it was only my audition I was only supposed to be for the documentary. But they really liked what I did for my fake audition, so to speak. They actually created a role on Navy's horn. Oh. So you were born with acrodysplasia? Acrodysplasia. It's a complicated one. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that exactly? So in layman's terms, I'm... Short stature. since I was three years old, I stopped growing. It comes with a lot of other, like, developmental issues. It comes with, like, low IQ. I guess I could say I'm pretty intelligent for who I am, I suppose. But the overall condition comes with, like, bone growth retardation, so short stature. My facial features, you know, are not fully developed or whatever. It's kind of hard to explain. Your parents, did they know you had acrodysplasia? before you were born? So before I was born, it's not something that can be detected, I don't think, like before you're born. Okay. So I was, for all intents purposes, I was a normal baby till I was about three years old. Well, I was sort of a normal baby. So when I was born, I was also very short. So I had a little like flush toy and I was about the same size as one of my like Oh. I was a very small baby. I only weighed about roughly 1,800 grams. So that's a very, very light baby as well. Do you know what that in um, pounds? Ooh, in pounds.
0: 3.9 pounds.
1: I'm guessing that's a very light baby, right? Yeah.
0: Normally, like I was eight pounds, nine ounces.
1: So I was oh, almost man, three times the size. So I was a very light baby. <laughs> so is that uh, genetic? Yeah. So that's a genetic thing. In my family, it's a very rare thing from what I have like, looked up and found out about myself. You can, in the family genetic line, it cannot exist in the genetic family tree and then it can just happen. So wow. yeah. And it was not existent in my family genetic tree until, you know, it happened to me. It's very rare. When I was born for the first six weeks of my life, I was in the hospital in an incubation cradle because they weren't sure like if I was going to make it or they wanted to keep me under close observation. And also going from that, actually, that also goes on to the fact that throughout my life with doctors and all that and all like health issues, just have said to like my parents and my mom that they weren't sure if I was going to make it past my 18th birthday. That's always been something that I dealt with on an emotional level growing up and in my teenage years.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, being a teenager is hard enough on its own (laughs) without
1: having all those other things. That's true.
0: (laughs) Did you have a lot of friends that you could confide in?
1: I was a very popular kid and a very popular teenager, but... It was very tough for me to confide in my friends. My friends knew like things on a surface level, like they knew like what I was dealing with, like being short statured and having trying to try and explain myself to people. Like I got this question all the time, like, Where's your mother? Where's your dad? Like, are you alone? Um... It was a very tiring question. I couldn't go out on my own. Well even with my friends, I couldn't go out without that question being asked, like at least like maybe ten or fifteen times. Um, it got to the point where my friends answered the question for me. <laughs> they still the frustration on my face. What would you say to them? Like, no, actually? To begin with, I'd say, no, I'm like such and such age. Like, I'm 19 or I'm 20. I'd go into a spiel about how I've got acrobsclasia and I'm short-statured. And, like, it means that, you know, I'm short for my age, but I'm actually this age and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then after like the thousandth time, I was literally like, I would get just a, F, uh, a dumbfounded expression on their face. Like they had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, that, and that's why I don't explain it because you're not know, going <laughs> you to understand it anyway. So. so my
0: siblings were both born with cystic fibrosis. It's a terminal disease right now. They've actually made a lot of medical developments. My sister, it really affected her growth. So she was very, very tiny. And when she went to high school, like she was teased really bad. And I know yeah, she, when she went there, they were like elementary schools that way. They were saying so. I know that right. was really really hard for her to deal with.
1: That's always a tough one, especially. Like, I mean, you know, it's hard enough being a normal person, and then <laughs> with bullying because you know, unfortunately, that's that's how kids are. Kids can be meaner than I definitely meaner than adults because they yeah. just don't. You know, they wouldn't just want anything to bore you about. And then landline having a disability is tough. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I never got bullied because I was very, very likable and my I guess people wanted to be my friend and all that. So Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate not to be bullied. Yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like.
0: So what I loved about you is just how, like you had all of these adversities, but you used them to fuel your success in a way. Like, instead of succumbing to them and going on disability and staying home, Mm. like, you became an actor and was in a major motion picture with one of the biggest stars in the world. Thank you,
1: thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, for me, it's always been, I think it's my personality and also, like, the family I've grown up in. Like, I mean, for example, my brother has always been very successful. He's very driven, and so... On that level as well, there's always been that brotherly competitiveness. <laughs> um, so as I think all brothers always, you know, challenge each other to one-up each other. So yes. So. He really did that. Like, you know, he started a big company and, you know, I was always in his shadow. I guess for me, it was just like, I didn't want to just wallow in my own self-pity. It just mm-hmm. wasn't an option for me. Like, I mean, I can understand it. I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, I can understand it for people that deal with a lot worse off things than I have, but I could never just sit there and wallow in my own self-pity. Like I had to do something with it. And for me, it's also about disability awareness and trying to inspire other people that no matter what you're facing and what your challenges are, that you can overcome them and do, do whatever you aspire to be. That's always that's my motto. Did you take acting lessons? From a young age, I didn't. When I was very young, my siblings and the family friends that we grew up with, the, our work at the non-profit organization, we were very close, and we used to do these little, like, plays for our parents. <laughs> we thought they were very adorable. I, I don't know how our parents, how our parents <laughs> thought of them. We would spend, like, hours creating these little mini plays, and we would force our parents to sit down and watch <laughs> them. I don't know how talented we were, so... But we had them on, like, we had them on, like, they recorded them and everything. And I've gone back and watched them. And they are very cute and all <laughs> how young we were back then. So we did these little plays. And I think from that, I just really liked that. And I think as I got older, that was just something I wanted to do. And then, actually, when I was getting older, I also wanted to join the Army. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah, my parents and my family were always like, Ooh, the army. Uh, we don't know how we feel about that. So they kind of, <laughs> they really pushed me towards acting. They're like acting the army, the acting army. They're like, yeah, no, let's let's do acting. So mm-hmm. they pushed me towards acting, but I really wanted to do acting. But they also pushed me towards acting because they didn't want me to join the army, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I was eight years old, I saw Hugh Jackman on the big screen doing Wolverine, X Men, and, X-Men, and I think I've really wanted to be Wolverine, like, like every part of me wanted to be Wolverine. I was run around the house with like fake claws and pretending to be Wolverine. <laughs> I think like almost every eight-year-old boy did. But then like, I guess when I found out that that was fake, I was like, well, what about that drew me to, you know, that? And then I kind of found out I was like, oh, he's an actor and, you know, that's, With that, you can be anything or anyone you want to be, and you can play all those roles and all that. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I want to do that. Like, it's very interesting to me. Did you tell Hugh that he was your inspiration? I did, and he was very touched. Aww. (laughs) Yeah, and I credit him all of my articles and all my interviews and everything. I I credit him as, you know, being the one that inspired me to pursue Mm -hmm. my passion of acting. Without him... I wouldn't be an actor. So, What was it like
0: going on to shoot that movie, knowing that like <laughs> Zac Efron's in it and Zendaya uh, and Hugh Jackman and <laughs> Michelle Williams? <laughs>
1: um, very, very, very intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> um, I landed on set thinking, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like, seriously, I'm like, these are like five of like the biggest actors and actresses in like Hollywood. I'm like, what am I doing on this set? They very quickly made me, you know, feel a part of the family and felt like I Aww. belonged on the set and felt like I was a, uh, I was one of the group and very talented. So, and especially Hugh, he gave me like this heart-to-heart speech because my very first shooting day was face-to-face with Hugh <laughs> on set. I was like completely daunted. I was already like, "What am I doing here?" And then my very first shooting day was face-to-face face with you, and, like, probably one of the most heartfelt scenes that are in the movie. Is that where um, he goes so when to he your house? With... Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to meet me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm already intimidated. I'm already wondering what I'm doing here. And then this is, like, the most heartfelt, like, scene in the movie. I'm face-to-face face with him. I'm like, oh, goodness. I couldn't perform, to be honest. I just couldn't do it. No? And, um... No, I was like, literally, I forgot how to act. So I was like, oh, God. I was like, how do I act right now when I'm face-to-face with, with like, my idol? <laughs> so, and then the director actually was like, you're not, you're not doing what we need. I was like, well, what do you expect? I'm face-to-face with my idol and inspiration. Yeah. I'm, like, having performance anxiety or, you know. To the max. <laughs> and so... Q basically put his hand on my shoulder and it was like, he gave me this heart-to-heart where it was like, you beat out like over hundreds of people to make it here on set. You're talented, you know, you're inspiring. Like you made it here from Australia, Melbourne. It's not an easy industry and so it's like, you're amazing. And like all of that just, like I was already obviously welling up with emotions already because mm-hmm. I'm face-to-face with them. And I have to be emotional, kind of emotional for the scene. But with all of that on top of it, it broke me down. It really broke (laughs) me down.
2: Yeah.
1: And I started to cry. I did. I I cried. We did the scene while I was crying, actually. They shot the scene. And the director was basically just telling me, keep on, just keep saying your lines over and over again, and so that we can work with it, and so we can edit it and all of (laughs) that. So I just kept saying my lines over and over again. They edited it out to like down to where I was less emotional. Like, mm-hmm. so after I had cried myself out, they kind of they kind of had me said lines after I was less emotional because they didn't want it so emotional because mm-hmm. I was broken. Like, I was literally mm-hmm. broken from um, giving me that heartfelt <laughs> Kind of backfired then, on <laughs> you. Yeah, you made me a little too emotional here. And actually, after we fully shot the scene, and I, I like walked back into the bedroom and everything. And they called Cup. I came out of the bedroom and I walked up to Hugh. He's like, Oh, I hope you're okay. I'm like, Are you okay? He's like, I didn't mean to like, make you cry. And I was like, In a very joking tone, obviously, because obviously I don't feel this way about you, but in a very joking tone, I was like, Thanks very much. I was like, you, You're a dick. <laughs> but the whole time I was crying and I was acting, I was like, I know what you were doing. Like, I know exactly what you're trying to get me to do. I was like, You're a dick. <laughs> So he was like, he grabbed me and he, he picked him up and he gave me a hug and he was like, I'm sorry. he's like, I hope you're okay. I'm like, I'm good. I'm all good. I know what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm.
2: So
1: no hard feelings, Hugh. So he's a really nice guy. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. He's so sweet. There's not a bad thing you can say about Hugh. And I had read, I think somewhere that you had to do the, all the scenes on your knees.
0: Yeah, that
1: was, <laughs> that was a, that's a funny one. So I met the director, Michael Gracie, in uh, Vancouver Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about the role. And literally one of the first things he says to me is, so Hugh's about six foot. He's like, you're about four foot. And the height difference is good, but we want a bigger height difference. So we're thinking about having you play the entire shoot on your knees. I'm like, I laughed. I'm like, like, oh, that's really, really funny. That's, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a great (laughs) one. He looks at me seriously. He's like, wait, what? why are you laughing? I'm like, I'm serious. He's like, wait, what? Are you serious? I'm oh like, you God. want me to do it on my knees? I just started laughing. I'm like, oh. And so we actually went outside to see how it look. So we compared. He stood up. I like took my shoes off and I went onto my knees, like with my shoes and like on my knees
2: because
1: mm-hmm. one of his friends was there. And he took a photo. I actually want to... I'm like, I'll I'll email him to see if I can get that photo because that's a great photo. Yeah. His friend took a photo of us on my knees and him standing. It looked amazing. He was just like, it looked so good. And then in the cabin where me and Hugh did that scene, Mm -hmm. there's also me and him on my knees. Um, I think I posted it to my social a few times, but um, I can also get that photo for you. But there's those two pictures, like before when we were, Thinking about me being on my knees, and then there's the aftershot of me and Hugh actually side by side on my knees. Which mm-hmm. it's a cool like side by side shot. So how many hours would you spend on your knees? I've lost count of how many hours. Oh my gosh! I spent so many hours. Like we had to shoot like the scenes over and over again. So oh man! But like there were points where we shot the scenes, and I had I was on my knees, and like. Those scenes didn't actually make it into the movie, so I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I know what I was getting into." Obviously, mm-hmm. but it was like, "Guys, I just spent like five hours on my knees, couldn't some of that, couldn't <laughs> some of that <laughs> yeah. part of Men into the movie." Like, for example, there was like he always starts singing "This and Me" where we get rejected by Hugh after he's signed the party for Jenny Lynn, and she starts singing the song, and we're like marching down the hallway. We that one I think took about. I think we did that over and over again. I think we did that for maybe about, we did that for anywhere from about three to five hours, I think. Yeah, I can't quite remember how long we did it. All I know is we did, it was a very, very long time. And so they were all marching down the hallway and like, you know, singing and dancing and all that. I was kind of like running on my knees to try and like meet them. Obviously, I was behind the group because I can't keep up on my knees. And I did that over and over again and none of that made it into film. I don't even know why I had to actually run that.
0: Was it just your bare knees or did you have something on them? You no, know,
1: I was on my knee boots, which um, I can send you. Uh, so they made like for... custom boots for your knees? Yeah, so like basically there's like a, it's like an L shape. So they made the front of the shoe kind of like it braces to my leg so it looks like normal shoes. A normal uh-huh. Out the back has like a an hour, like, padded platform for my legs to, like, be on so that I can walk. The first hour is okay, um, but after that, even though there's padding inside it, after that, it really doesn't make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't.
0: <laughs> and do you get, like, with acrodysplasia, do you get pains already?
1: Nothing necessarily associated with that. I have, like, I mean, there are, like, issues that come with, I suppose, yeah, like, for example, with my facial features being the way they are, I have breathing issues. There's a term called fracosyphaly, which has to do with my facial features. My facial features are very, like, pressed in. So fracosyphaly basically has to mainly do with my nose, where it's very pressed in. I don't have very much cartilage in my nose, where I can actually push my nose all the way in and it just goes flat. Oh. So, for example, if someone punched me in my nose, hopefully not, but if someone did, (laughs) then, yeah, I wouldn't break my nose, which is great. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't want to get to the point where someone actually has to punch me in my face. No, maybe don't
0: steal any girlfriends. Um,
1: Yeah, I I try not to. My personality or being a movie star sometimes. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Do you date? I don't know. Do I date? Good question. See, that's one of the points with like me being, you know, short-statured and the way I am. Growing up as, you know, being short-statured and being the way I am, in high school and all that, girls have found me very adorable and cute, (laughs) but I'm not the dateable type, unfortunately. So I've had one girlfriend in the past, but other than that, she's been the one person who actually thought of me of anything more than you know a cute cuddly friend or whatever so it's always been a issue for me growing up and it's one of the uh, things that I have been very emotional with if people have seen my documentaries um, Mm -hmm. that I've done I get very very emotional in those documentaries because it's very hard for me to talk about like I'm pretty okay with it now but it still still gets me still gets me there, you know? Yeah. Because everyone wants to find their partner or their soulmate that they can do life with and growing up not being seen as someone that can be that person for someone else is tough. Because of that I've never necessarily connected with people of the opposite sex in that way because they don't see me that way. And I wanna have a girlfriend, I wanna mm-hmm get married and have a wife and have a family and all mm-hmm. that so it's hard when the world doesn't see you in that mm. light you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: they see you as the cute and kind and cuddly friend so it's very very tough I'm sure that there's someone out there who'll love me for the way I am oh, and absolutely I the am. more
0: you get out there because you have such a great personality
1: Thank you. The more Thank people you. see
0: that and get to know that, then.
1: That's the thing. I'm like, you know, when people get to know me and get to know who I am, the height becomes a non-issue. Like a lot of my friends, my close friends, they don't see my height anymore. It's actually gotten to the point where some of my friends and even my best friend, we're hanging out and they'll say, oh, can you grab that down for me? Because I'm like, <laughs> on the other side of the room. And they're like, yeah, can you grab that down for me? Or can you grab that? I'm like, are you kidding? They're like, what? They're like, what? Can you can you just grab? I'm like, are you joking I can't, it? Like, I can't reach that. You know that, right? They're like, oh, oh, my bad. side. Like, it's gone to the point where they don't see my height anymore. I'm one of those people where I don't like to brag about myself. I'm one of those people where like, I don't like to talk about myself in that way. Other people have to do the talking for me because I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like to talk about myself where I, you know, boost myself up because I know it feels so strange for me. But For the purpose of this interview, I will try. So I have such a big personality and Mm -hmm. my charisma is very large. And so people are drawn to that. So I'm told. (laughs) And so people don't see me for my height or, you know, they Mm -hmm. see me for my personality and my charisma and, and the way I am and how I interact with people. So, yeah. Can you have children? That is one thing that I've always been questioning myself, which has also been why I guess very emotional for me because obviously I want a family, Mm -hmm. you know, I want the idealistic dream of the white picket fence and the suburban (laughs) life and kids and all that and the dogs. But... That's one thing I have to kind of talk over with like doctors and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like I can have kids, but mm-hmm. most of my doctors that, you know, because I haven't actually gone to see like geneticists or all that stuff. Most of my doctors have basically kind of said it's a fifty fifty 50 chance where I can have kids, but they may, you know, they may have what I have. It's very hard for me to think of that as well because, you know, i with what I've gone through, you know, growing up, I'm like, it hits home for me that I don't want my kids to have to go through what i went through and had to have the emotional pain that I've gone through. I've gone to my doctors and I've gone to all that. And I've come home where I've gone to my bedroom and I've cried. i just sat there for hours crying because, you know, they tell me, like, about the situation with not like I'm not developing and may not develop for a while and I may not be able to have kids and if I do have kids they may be the way I am and it will be tough for me to connect with the opposite sex and all that and so it's been very emotional for me and I've gone to my bedroom and I've, I've cried and cried and cried for hours and then because I don't like people to see my pain and I don't like to put My pain onto other people, I wipe away the tears and I put on a huge smile. So I've gone to school and people have just seen me as that happy go lucky, caring guy. No one has ever really known. It's only been in the last maybe five years that people have really known what I felt on the Mm -hmm. inside. And actually, even my family have only really found out how I really felt about things. Like Mm -hmm. my brother and my siblings only found out in maybe the last five years that I actually dealt with, you know, suicide and was very depressed and that I did try to, you know, commit suicide. My siblings did not know any of that. They were very shocked, you know, because they didn't know that I had attempted that by multiple times. So they said, they were like, wow, you hit it very, like, very, very well. You kept." He kept it very together and were very strong because we mm-hmm. had no clue at all. How yeah. did you get through that? One thing was like my family, like my family were very loving and all that. Mm-hmm. They gave me as much support as they could with dealing with someone like myself. Also, I'm a Christian, so my faith got me through a lot of those tough times. I knew that eventually none of the stuff would matter You know, I went to church and I put a lot of my faith in God and then, like, my friends as well. They helped me, you know, just to not think about it, like, so much and not think about what I was going through. And Mm -hmm. so with the family issues that we had growing up, my brother started his company and my sister worked for him. They moved out of home and, like, moved to the city for the company. So Mm -hmm. I was the only one at home. And... It was tough being the only child left at home and not being able to connect with anyone. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: with dealing with everything I was dealing with, it was also tough to connect with them, to be able to just talk to them like with what I was dealing with. Because again, I don't want to put it off onto other people because I don't want them to have to feel or suffer You know, the pain that I feel for people that way. I would rather be the only one hurting or the only one suffering than them if I can help it I take all that pain and suffering if I can
0: I think most of the time even though we want to be brave and save other people we're not doing them or ourselves any favors yeah
1: and I discovered that in the last (laughs) few years so my family and my friends are like what what are you doing you just seriously talk to us about it. Yep. And as much as they say that I still do find it difficult to open up. I like to wear the weight of the world on my own shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. It's just who I am. What do you want to do from here? Again, wanting to wear the weight on my shoulders. I uh, <laughs> acting is my passion and mm-hmm. is what I've always wanted to do. It's also a means to an end. I want to be able to help the world, you know. The world is in a very vulnerable place with, you know, everything that's going on. One of my biggest passions is helping eradicate poverty. That's one of my biggest passions. Mm -hmm. I don't like to see people suffering, Mm -hmm. and I don't like to see people being less fortunate than I am. Mm -hmm. And so I want to help get rid of poverty, and I want to use my money and my status to bring more light to that and to be able to help the homeless. Like, for example, there's the LA Mission, which I'm a part of, which I uh, do that to go feed the homeless, and I want to try and start my own charities that can help that. Yes. In terms. I also want to go overseas, not me personally, because with all my, unfortunately, with my health issues, I wouldn't do very well going over to poverty stricken countries. <laughs> but I want to set up charities and foundations that can go overseas and supply the supplies to help build houses. And another one of my things is I don't think it's right that there are people in this world that don't have access to clean water. I'm like, that's, Mm -hmm. it's very crazy to me that here, like in the um, Western countries that we can turn on a tap and we can leave it running for hours. Mm -hmm. But in, you know, uh, Eastern countries or the coldest stricken countries, they have to walk six miles to get, A bucket of clean water, or they have to drink from disease filled streams or wells or whatever. It's very crazy to me that that's, yeah, it's very heartbreaking to me. So, that's one of my goals as well to be able to provide clean water to like every human on the planet. That's a basic human right, and that's what I, one of the things I would like to achieve. There was a new
0: documentary that came out not too long ago on Bill Gates and him and his wife are trying to do a lot of stuff with
1: that. I haven't seen it, but I heard about that. Like I'm really happy to hear that there are a lot more, like obviously a lot more big influential people trying to do that. But then at the same time, I'm like, you know, you see a lot of high profile people that, you know, like with all their money, you're thinking that they could do a lot more. Like it's one thing to support charities. But then I think it's another thing to give your money to doing a lot more. And that's what I think. Because I'm like, there's only so much money that you need, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's only so much money that one person needs. You can support your family, you know, give yourself a good life if that's like what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But then, to me, give your money to the world. That's what I believe. So. That's
0: amazing. Do you buy anything flashy or big or are
1: you very um, conservative? I'll admit, I do like the finer things in life, but um, <laughs> that's just my personality. I like the finer things in life. Like what, but, ki- um, what kind of things? For example, I have a fake Rolex. A fake one? <laughs> uh, yeah, because obviously with my yeah, I can't exactly afford I like a $10,000 Rolex. So, <laughs> um, when I want jewelry, I don't really buy jewelry. For example, I have like a ring, and that one was like a $100 ring because it's like titanium and gold. I have like these bracelets, which are like just like Tiger tiger Stone bracelets and things like that. they expensive, and like I buy like Vegan glasses, which are, you know, expensive without like brand glasses. And I buy custom blankets and things like that. So I do like the finer things in life, but at the same time, once I buy what I want to buy, like, mm-hmm. I give my money away. There's the things I like to have, and then once I have them, I'm like, I can do whatever with the rest of my money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: More people should be like that.
1: Where do you get your clothes from? Like, do you have to get them custom made? When I was younger, my mom <laughs> would buy me a lot of kitty clothes, mm-hmm. which that you was know, would- really... Didn't help my emotional state. Yeah, you um, need the
0: confidence.
1: Yeah, so that didn't help my confidence and everything. For example, one of the things my mum bought was this set of clothes that, the pants were okay because they were just like one color, they were like navy, but the shirt was a big issue. It was like bright yellow and it said, I've got my sheriff badge, I've got my sheriff boots, I've got my, my <laughs> sheriff hat. I'm the new sheriff in town it had words and then it had the pictures of like the bag and the sheriff boots and the sheriff cowboy oh, hat and then it had like the sheriff i'm like i was in high school at the time like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me i'm like you want me to go to high school wearing this like as popular as i am i think i might still get beat up so i got i accidentally i'll say accidentally got it dirty <laughs> so that my mom was like oh she got it dirty well i guess you can't wear it anymore i was like yeah that sucks what I a shame anymore I'm like what a shame <laughs> i don't like white paint all over it She was like why were you wearing it to paint i was like i don't know I, I didn't think about it i thought about it i wanted to get
0: them dirty <laughs> the character that you played in the greatest showman tom
1: thumb yep was that a real person Yes. This was a period piece based in the the eighteen hundreds. And so he was actually, if I can trying to get my facts correct, I believe he was a fifth removed cousin from P. T. Barnum. He was actually like a very distant family member from P. T. Barnum. Mm -hmm. And P. T. Barnum, like, you know, approached his like his parents and, you know, wanted to use him in his circus. He was only actually about two feet tall, which is why they wow. um, which is also why they had me here on my knees. Mm-hmm. So that it could be a little bit more realistic. I'm four foot two. I'm actually double the height he is. Hmm. You're too tall. Exactly. Which is what I said to the director, I'm like, wait, are you telling me I'm too tall for this? <laughs> and I have never thought I would ever, ever be too tall for a roll. I'm like, it was dumbfounding to me. My very first like big role, I'm like, they said I was too
0: tall. Yes. You know what my sister used to love to do is go to fair and do those age guess things because she would always win. (laughs) She would
1: clean (laughs) up on those. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. I did that once at a fair. I was like, how old am I? And it was actually quite funny. People would either under guess, like way under guess, or Mm -hmm. they would way over guess. I'm Mm -hmm. like, so I would get seven or I would get like 28. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I'm in a seven or I'm 28. <laughs> at the time, I was like 18. I'm like, you know, geez, you guys are, you guys are terrible at guessing age. I think but,
0: you can uh, see in your face that you're not. Like you can see you're an adult in your face.
1: Right. And that's the thing. When I was like growing up with the clothes that I wore, going back to that, I used to wear a suit like all the time. And from head to toe, I would be in a suit so that people would see me as like an adult
2: mm-hmm. because
1: like what kid wears a suit from head to toe? It's mm-hmm. just not done. And then I would also try and carry myself very, you know, very professionally and I would try and speak with um big words because, you know, mm-hmm. kids don't know big words. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a little bit of an issue for me now. A lot of people are like, you carry yourself very like, very maturely and I get called very, I get called an old owl and an old soul, but a wise old owl and an old soul mm-hmm. because of how maturely I carry myself. Mm-hmm. But that's because I feel like I can't be too silly or too goofy because if I'm running around and being too silly or too goofy, people are like, oh, he's just another kid, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't want that perception. And like, you know, the playgrounds like McDonald's and all that, they had those playgrounds. It was like, oh, you get to play on the playgrounds. I'm like, I get to. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm a kid, so they're like, "I really wish I could play on a playground." I'm like, yeah, because you'll still get taken as an adult. I won't. Yes. So, Who do you do you yeah. live by yourself now? No, I live with my brother and his wife and two roommates, and my sister is living in a studio behind us. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah, we have siblings. Like, because my sibling in Australia when they moved out and I was on my own, Mm -hmm. we weren't close then because we had been apart for like five years. Mm -hmm. And now living with my siblings, we are like very close. Like, you know, know, how we interact. I mean, Mm -hmm. as well, I still don't necessarily open up to them as much as they probably want me to. But we're very close in how we, you know, live together and how we get along and all that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: If there was somebody listening that, has been dealt a bad hand in life Mm -hmm. or is going through something tough. What would you say to them?
1: What kind of Mm.
0: encouragement would you give them?
1: I would say everyone gets dealt a bad hand Mm -hmm. from time to time. And it's what you do with the cards that you're dealt that determines your reality. I think that we can wallow in, you know, what we're given, or we can choose to pick ourselves up and move on. So I would say Yes, uh, realize what you're going through and accept what you're going through, but don't live in it because if you live in it, then nothing's going to change. Except the fact that you're in a bad place right now or that, you know, things are not going too great right now, but things are going to get better. Life is a roller coaster. You have your ups and your downs. Like you're going to have your times in your life where nothing goes right or Mm -hmm. you feel like, you know, you can't go on anymore. But then you're going to have the times in your life where you're on top of the world and you think that nothing could be better than this. Mm-hmm. So you just have to, you know, in along on. With, <laughs> yeah, strap, on, strap in and hold on. That's, that's what you got to do with life. The quote is by Stephen Pressfield. It's, are you born a writer? Were you put on this earth to be a painter, a scientist, an apostle of peace? In the end, the question can only be answered by action. Do it or do not do it. It may help to think of it in this way: if you're meant to cure cancer or write a symphony or crack cold fusion, and you don't do it, you not only hurt yourself, even destroy yourself. You hurt your children, you hurt me, you hurt the planet. You shame the angels who watch over you, and you spite the Almighty who created you. And only you, with your unique gifts. For the sole purpose of nudging a human race one millimeter farther along its path back to God, creative work is not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the actor. It's a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you've got. Stephen Pressfield. Amazing. So that's that's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. So I think you shouldn't hold yourself back If you stay, you know, unfortunately, wallowing in your bad place, you won't be able to give the human race what you were meant to Mm -hmm. achieve in this world. So, 100%. So now, where can people find you? Where can people find me? I'm on Instagram, Mm -hmm. the Sam Humphrey. I'm on Twitter as at the real Sam Humphrey.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I am on Facebook as just Sam Humphrey. You can also just Google me, Sam Mm -hmm. Humphrey, You'll find my documentaries. You'll find articles about me. You'll find everything you want to know about me. And mm-hmm. I also have my website.
0: Well, I've got your website here. It's samdhumphrey.actor. If you yes, want to check out more about Sam. And mm-hmm. yeah, thanks so much for chatting with me today. My
1: no worries. And thank you for having me on. I'm super grateful to have connected with you today. on oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I've been seeing all the stuff that you've been doing which is absolutely amazing and yeah if there's anything that I can ever do to help you do anything I would would love to I love to help people out when I can
2: Your sweetheart